everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. How's it going today, Key? It's going pretty good. It's Monday, so yeah. it's the start of the week. Yes. Um, I feel a little under-accomplished because I try to plan out my week on Sundays. I got Passion Planner, which I'm slightly obsessed with. Mm. And it's kind of got me in this rhythm of planning out my week. So I feel like unaccomplished because I didn't start yesterday, but... It's all right. I'm going to fill out my calendar throughout the week. So aside from that, I'm doing good. Nice. What about you? I'm feeling great. I had a great weekend. Beautiful weather. I was like productive. Went grocery shopping to do some meal prep. Went to the gym. Laid it up at Central Park. Like, it was a nice weekend. And we got some beautiful weather coming up. Yeah. I'm excited. So you've been doing self-care stuff then? Yeah. I'm actually about to start uh, a 30-day no processed carbs me and my brother so are you about that life yeah i'm trying to coach p's been coach p's not been on it at 100 percent, and i really gotta just turn the gears on like just really just jump start into it so i'm excited about that for those of you who've been following us you know coach p is about being healthy and stuff like that but at least you're able to be transparent with your audience and let them know listen sometimes i fall off the wagon and i'm not perfect so just to let you know out there, if you're on this healthy plan and you're trying to do better, you may have a day or two where you may fall off, but try to get back on a wagon, you know? Day or two or month or two. <laughs> where you fall looking off. like several months, bruh. <laughs> Teasing. But, but the, the beauty about it, and I love that you said that, is just consistency and persistence. Like, you fall off, you get back up. Like yeah. Carnaby says, get knocked down nine times, get up ten. If you always get back, that's all that matters. That's all that it is. Mm. I can't wait to see this challenge. Uh, I'm and the result of it. Uh, if you haven't already, go and make that purchase of the unapologetically different ringtone. You can find that at the iTunes store or you can find it on the Tune store for Android. Yes. Yeah, definitely. We appreciate all the support. We love you guys. And again, it's just a smooth, silky ringtone. I just love the sound of it. <laughs> Yeah. So, let's just get into it. This weekend was very entertaining. <laughs> um, Yo, was it, it? Like, so I don't know if you guys have heard, but the the White House had their annual White House Correspondent Dinner, and one of the guest speakers was Michelle Wolf, who's a comedian, and I literally don't know how or why she was invited but somebody is going to get fired. <laughs> Somebody's going to get fired if they haven't got fired already. Because she literally came through and roasted everybody. Roasted is an understatement, bro. Literally. <laughs> like, she went in. It was beautifully done. Yeah. Round of applause for her. Round of applause. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and it was to the point where the president tweeted, the White House correspondent dinner is dead as we know it. This was a total disaster and embarrassment to our great country and all that it stands for. Fake news is alive and well and beautifully represented on Saturday night. You know what's crazy? Um, I'll definitely tell people to go check out her, I would say her skit at the dinner because it was just that good. Um, One of the things that she said that I thought was hilarious was that she had created a skit around the previous cabinet members, but they've all been fired Mm. Um, rapidly for that matter. And then she was basically saying that the White House is kicking them out quicker than um, Starbucks kicking out black people. I was like, girl, the shade. (laughs) 
The shade. She went in. Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite part of it? Um, uh, probably that. Yeah. The Starbucks one because it was just so fresh and just so like right now. Um, yeah. And when she said the Uncle Tom joke. Yeah. She was just going in on um, Sarah Huckabee. <laughs> she like she's an embarrassment to white woman. But I was like, girl. I said maybe it's Maybelline or maybe it's just lies. <laughs> she went in. I loved it. Definitely go check it out if you haven't already. Yes. It will make your morning, noon, night, whatever mood you in, I guarantee you will start cracking up. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. She killed it. She definitely did. And again, RIP for the person who hired her because... I doubt that guy's gonna or gal is gonna last much longer. <laughs> no, she even said it in her skit about you should have did your research before you had me out here. Yeah. And it was just like clearly who whoever's in charge of that did not do their research because she roasts Trump all the time. Basically, like, you can also catch her on the Daily Show. Yes, Trevor Noah. Yeah, she's one of the correspondents on the show. But yes, <sighs> I think it was good to start off the show on like a little bit of a lighter topic. As we're actually going to be discussing the Bill Cosby verdict. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Well, last week, Cosby was found guilty on three felony counts of aggravated indecent assault in Montgomery County, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. The victim, Andrea Constant, accused Cosby of drugging and sexually assaulting her in 2004. Andrea was a former women's basketball coach at Temple University, where Cosby was a trustee and major donor during the time he assaulted her. Um, he also mentored her. That's, so we That's messed up. I mean, like, she's I, one of like 30 plus women. So. But like, that's your, your mentee. Oh my God. And be like that sometimes. Um, we just want to give a backstory to this whole Cosby situation because don't want to come off being biased and in any way, but to kind of give people a follow through as what's been going on. So November, 2002, Constant meets Cosby at one of the team's game in Philadelphia. January, 2004, she went to his home she said that he gave her wine and three pills, which left her frozen. Cosby questioned whether the incident happened earlier for the sake of the statute of limitations. So his legal counsel was basically trying to get at the fact that whatever happened between Cosby and her, of course she's saying that it was sexual assault and Cosby and saying it was consensual, was trying to say that it happened earlier so that it would not be in the parameter of the statute of limitations. So January 2005, Constant left um, Temple, moved back to Toronto, she told her mother about the assault. Um, she went to look about reporting it to the Canadian police. And allegedly, Cosby returns the call and apologizes and declines um, to identify the pills that was used. So February 17, 2005, the Montgomery County DA decided not to charge Cosby because of the insufficient, credible, and admissible evidence. Well, so now March 2005, Constance sues Cosby and a dozen women agreed to present their testimony of similar behavior on his part. And such behavior consisted of waking up with him on top of them or being drugged to the point that they couldn't move or give proper consent. In September 2005, in a deposition testimony, Cosby admitted to obtaining quaaludes to give to young women for sex. Constant suit was settled and both signed a non-disclosure agreement. The deposition and settlement amount was not made public. 
in a deposition on September 29th, 2005, the comedian was asked, when you got your quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Cosby responded, yes. And the follow-up question was, if Cosby gave the drugs to the women without their knowledge, and his attorney at that point interjected and advised him not to answer, which really begs the question, if he did give it to them with their knowledge, why not just say that? It's like you look guilty by just not wanting to answer a simple yes or no question. We strongly urge people to read the deposition because it's really interesting just to see the questioning and just the back and forth between Cosby and the other attorneys. And also keeping in mind that around this time, the quaaludes were considered illegal. So that was another thing as well. Um, I think people should definitely go check out the deposition because that was what made me... That's what made me like, okay... This is no longer a conspiracy theory as people was going around saying and stuff like that. It kind of gave more perspective to the, the current incidents that have came to the surface and also previous incidents. So I would definitely suggest that people take their time and go read the deposition and get a full understanding of um, the previous case that he was being tried for and the way that his attorney kept interjecting into a lot of the questions that was asked very forcefully and aggressively and Cosby not really addressing the questions, which is another problem within itself. So anyway, bringing it back, October 2014, Hannibal Barris went on stage during his stand-up and he basically said, Bill Cosby has the fucking smuggest old black man public persona that I hate. Pull your pants up, black people. I was on TV in the 80s. I can talk down to you because I had a successful sitcom. Yeah, but you raped women, Bill Cosby. So it brings you down a couple notches. I don't curse on stage, but yeah, you're a rapist. So this is when, around 2014, when this stand-up came around, it became viral. Damn. And that's when a lot of the women who were sexually assaulted by Cosby had the courage to come forward and tell their stories. And that's why it was like women were coming out the woodwork. It was like every day somebody knew had a story. Damn. And what was crazy about these women, it was like 30-plus women, um, their stories are very similar. As Pierre has stated before, it was like they woke up, he was on top of them. They don't recall it leading to sex. It just, they know what happened because of the aftermath of it. Um, they don't even know if they were really coherent at the time because oftentimes it was drugs was involved. So that was a whole other problem within itself. And that's when it became a bigger issue and then people started to talk about it. And it's funny because... I find it to be interesting that the people who are defending Cosby, they're, they're reaching. They're reaching. It's like these women are liars. They, they, they want money. 30 plus women know. And what's crazy about it, I've seen a meme. There was like, people are saying that they wanted to be famous, but you can't even name all of them. Do you see them walking around playing celebrity, being followed by paparazzi? We don't even know who out these women look. So it's one or two or a couple that are more in the public eye. Constant, of course, because she went through the trial, but... It's like you don't see them out and about trying to play a celebrity or trying to be in that limelight. So the whole accusations about them doing it for money or status is kind of null and void. But what I find to be interesting as well is that around this topic is that people who defended him never really dissect that, yo, this all happened because of a comedian who said something in a stand-up that was very valid and it went viral. So if you want to talk about who destroyed who career... 
and if you don't want to blame Cosby, because God forbid, no, he didn't do it. He's 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 American father for black people, apparently. Um, then and if you want to point fingers and you, let's not point at the woman, how about you point at the guy who started this, who actually said in his stand up? Because imagine if the stand up didn't happen and go viral, do you think a lot of these women would have came out? No, definitely not. It was one hundred percent the the stand up that just brought light to it and just really had people talking about it and bringing it up. And it's it's actually interesting. I listened to um a podcast called The Beige Phillips Show mm-hmm. and the guy is a comedian and they were actually discussing it on their show and kind of saying that in the comedian world a lot of um comedians kind of knew that already about Bill Cosby that he was just someone who like you don't you don't want to be caught hanging along with him. Like they just felt it, he was so the they, they old yeah. yeah, basically. Kind of similar to what they said about the Harvey Weinstein situation. Like, people in that industry knew, like, the things that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, there, it wasn't, like, a shocker for people. So, I think that, that just, it's sad that this stuff is happening and people are aware of it, but it just gets pushed under the rug for whatever reason. Yeah, and then also, to the tie back, to what Annabelle said, because I thought he made a very valid point about how Cosby carried himself uppity uppity. I mean, let's keep it a hundred. Cosby wasn't the type of dude. He had a very, you know, he had a very high pro- profile persona in a sense that he was a kind of Martha Vineyard kind of dude, like you know Ivy League kind of black man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So to me, when I see people defending him or whatever the case, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, you're defending him. Some of y'all who defended him, y'all live in the hood. Y'all wearing baggy jeans, do rags for days outside in public, not in your crib. <laughs> let's fit it. Let's get cornrows past the age of 30. AKA your perfect type of guy. <laughs> Don't play with me. <laughs> if, you, if, you fit, if you fit that description, you, ain't you need shit. to slide into Keanu. No, <laughs> no. You ain't shit. <laughs> the shade you just threw right now. Anyway, um, there's a meme going around. That says that, to be honest, Cosby would have spit on most of you defending him. Y'all weren't even his type of Negro. Damn. <laughs> so all of y'all going around, if you really knew Cosby for what, who he was, he wasn't really fighting for you and defending for you. And he fed into respectability politics a lot. So in terms of how black people should carry themselves and condone themselves in certain manners to be respected. And we talk about respectability politics pertaining to police brutality. How we say if you dress a certain way, you act a certain way, maybe they won't they won't bother you or you won't be stopped. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you look. If you want to wear a polo shirt or a fubu shirt, if you want to wear fitted jeans or you want to wear baggy jeans, you're still a black person. You're going to be targeted as such. Facts. So the people who are defending him, like I said, you're entitled to your opinion. I go off of facts, but if you want to go with your opinion, go ahead. If you really knew who Bill Cosby was, you wasn't even on his radar. So keep doing what you're doing and playing yourself in the process. So we bring it back. So July 2015, a judge released parts of Cosby's deposition. We're able to retrieve it and be able to get an understanding of everything in his 2005 civil case. The criminal investigation is reopened and detectives visit Toronto to interview um, Constant. The civil case she won in terms of reaching a settlement, but the criminal case was not tried due to insufficient evidence. So granted, she didn't win a civil suit, but what the aim is to, to try to try him on a criminal case. 
And that's why I was reopened. So November 2015, there was a new DA in town, and his name was Kevin Steele, which is a badass name. <laughs> of course you'll say that. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, he criticized the 2005 decision to not prosecute Cosby and was adamant to open the case up again. And just really thinking about it, it, it came 10 years later, and if this had actually occurred 10 years prior... A lot of lives and people could have been saved. Um, December 2015, Cosby was arrested on charges of aggravated indecent assault. And based on the timing described by Constant, the charges came just before the expiration of the 12-year statute of limitations for the charges. So there was a little bit of luck in this that everything kind of played out perfectly in terms of being able to get this case pushed through because... The law is very fickle. Like, if you are outside of that limitation, it's like, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, but also, too, like, his attorney, his counsel was trying to push for... They were really concerned about whether the timing of it happened and when she said it did. Because if they had said it happened earlier than 2004, then it would have been outside the bounds of statute of limitations. So the timing of this and how it panned out kind of worked out. So June 17th, 2017... Cosby's trial ended in a mistrial because of a hung jury. April 9th, 2018, the retrial began, and the settlement amount between Cosby and Constant was revealed at $3.38 million. Damn, that's a lot of money. So basically at the time when she first brought the case up and it was a civil suit, it was disclosed that her amount... Her amount that she received was not disclosed. It was sealed. And now because they reopened this whole case, they were able to let it out. And she received $3.38 million. Mm. So the judge allowed five women to testify that Cosby assaulted them in ways similar to Constance's assault. And Cosby also presented a new witness who was a Temple employee that said Constance once told her she could make money by falsely accusing a prominent person. And that's kind of interesting that I mean, of course, he's going to bring someone into a trial to be his witness and to speak on his behalf or to defame the other person's character. Um, April 26, 2018, the three counts that he was charged for is penetration with lack of consent, penetration while unconscious, and penetration after administering an intoxicant. Each felony is punished by up to 10 years in state prison, though the sentences could be concurrently. <sighs> That's crazy. Yeah. That he could he could do if followed through could do up to ten years on each count. That's like thirty years, and he's what eighty. Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. Um, the aftermath of all of this, when a verdict came in, um, his accolades were taken away. Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, revokes Cosby honorary degree it awarded Cosby in two thousand seven, and the University of Notre Dame in Indiana rescinded the honorary degree. They awarded Cosby in 1990. And the Cosby Show rerun was pulled from Bounce Network. As a result, his accolades are being pulled. Um, his shows, the Cosby Show is being pulled. And I'm sure other things are happening as well. During this whole incident, when women started to come out one by one, I believe he resigned off of one of the boards that he was on because Cosby held some powerful positions in terms of some of these universities and he was resigned from the board. So some of his titles were taken away. There was debates about... At one point, I think the Cosby show was pulled in and there was debates about bringing it back. So now that the, the verdict has come in, 
it's like they have more of a footing to stand on in terms of taking away his accolades and pulling his show. Celebrities even came out speaking about the incident. Um, Terry Crews tweeted something about being accountable, you know, holding accountability. And, you know, other celebrities spoke out about the verdict in terms of it being done rightfully so, and it's about time that women are being heard. So it's a very interesting time as to where we're at, especially with this incident. And I noticed that people have been going on some, like, Cosby versus Harvey Weinstein and other white men that are in similar positions. Um, and I, I see what people are trying to do, but do you think comparisons are valid? Um, not, not necessarily, because... Weinstein really used his power to get women to do things. Yeah. Um, Cosby was literally drugging them and taking advantage of them in that way, like, yeah. without them having any consent. Like, mm -hmm. both of them are sleazy and wrong, but Cosby definitely was one-upping one Harvey. I, yeah, that's that's how I look at it. So you think like he's a scapegoat of sexual assault? Say that again? You think he's a scapegoat of sexual assault? What do you mean a scapegoat of sexual assault? Meaning that he's really, he's being held accountable to the full degree. He's losing accolades. His show's getting pulled. He potentially can do time if it's followed through. Yeah. Um, Harvey Weinstein is not experiencing that. The only thing with him is that I believe he surrenders rights to his companies and stuff like that. But he's not facing time in jail or even being tried on that level. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any accolades were stripped of him. But um, do you think that Cosby being that he's the one who's experiencing a full throttle of all of this? Is it because he's like being a scapegoat of it or like he's being made an example of? I don't know if scapegoat is the appropriate I word. I don't know if he's being make, made an example of because he was <laughs> wilding out. <laughs> Bruh. Like... Come on, son. Quaaludes? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know it's real when Pierre starts saying son. <laughs> like, bruh. Like, I don't... <sighs> Jesus. The reason why I ask is because, like, I know why I stand on this, especially as a woman and where sexual assault has in this country, but just to hear your take as a male, especially as a black male, I think it's important because I see people on my timeline, especially men, some of them black men too, like... Making excuses, like, it's the comparisons with Harvey Weinstein, but look what happened to so-and-so, and, you know, look how that situation turned out. And to me, when it comes to the Harvey Weinstein comparison, I think it's bullshit, mm -hmm. because, first of all, there's they're different, different scenarios. You know, Cosby actually, like, sexually assaulted 30-plus women um, or being accused for doing that, using drugs that was considered illegal at the time, and Lord knows what else he was using, women that had sex with him and don't recall or remember how it start, the middle part, just the ending. I don't even know what's going on there. Um, and then you have Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he did acts as well. He just he was naked in front of females, and he may have requested them to touch him inappropriately or he touched them inappropriately or used his power, like you said, in order to influence them to have sexual encounters with him. But he didn't drug them and they woke up with him on top of him and it was like, what the hell is going on? So I think the scenarios are very different, but I see what people are trying to do in compare and contrast. It's like when a white man does something, he gets away with it and a black man. But the reality is um, the way the system was created, it was not meant for us. 
the way that we're treated in this country and the way that we are in a system is putting place. It was not meant for us. So the fact that we're looking to the, these systems as solutions, I think it's, it's BS. The fact that you could sit up here and say, of course, Harvey Weinstein and other white men that are in similar situations may not receive the same amount of scrutiny or punishment as Cosby. And then again, I think it's varying because there's some that, you know, you've seen what happened to Kevin Spacey when a dozen plus boys came out or men about his situation and his sexual assault encounters. And he Dropped got pulled him. from House of Cards. Yeah. I don't even know if he's going to be in on anything else. And he had a really credible career as an actor. You know, he's really talented, but, you know, he's experiencing that. I'm not sure how far it's going to go. I don't know. You know, if it led to, in terms of if it's going to lead to sexual assault and, like, statutes of limitations, if it's going to get that far. But he's receiving some level of punishment. But I, I think that we need to, the comparisons, I think it needs to, we need not to do that. Because it's two, it's different scenarios and different situations. And then on top of that, like, I just feel like we can't look to these systems to find solutions for us. Like, you know what I'm saying? The fact that you assume, I mean, Cosby, and when you think about it, if he's 80, well, not if he's 80 years old, he lived a pretty good life. So he even if he did right. time in jail, bruh, you lived a pretty good life. If people in Hollywood, like you said, knew about who he was and what he was doing, you was getting away with murder because of your status and because of the money that you had. He knew what he was doing. So to me, it's like, I don't really... It's not like, oh my God, like his whole life, if he does end up going to jail, it's like his whole life is going to end up. People are like, he's going to be 80 years old. That's not fair. So you want to put him in a nursing home? <laughs> like, what? Like, does that make you feel better? Like, I'm just confused as to what's happening. And now people are concerned about him in terms of going to jail because of his age. I was like, really? Really? Was he concerned about these females' mental state when he did what he did? Is he concerned about that maybe some of them, they can't fully get their lives back? And maybe this this win for them was just a way for them to say, okay, my story's been told. It's being taken seriously. Yeah. The universe is in balance now. OJ's out. They got Cosby. <laughs> they, just, they just... They got... Like, one, one's out. Just replace them. Um, yeah, just keeping it real, like... You were rich. You had all this money. Were he still rich though? Like he didn't lose right. all his money. Right, exactly. You're rich. You had all this power, influence. Like, what were you thinking? Like, really drugging them so that and they don't even remember. Like, but keep it honest with me. When all of this came to surface, what was your initial response? Um, Real my talk. initial response was like, damn, if so many people are actually saying this, this might actually be true. And then, in addition to that, I was like, um, I've read something about, like, he had attempted to purchase NBC, and he, there was, like, a conspiracy, like, they were trying to take him down because he was trying to be a black man in power of one of the biggest media outlets in the world. And I'm just like, I seen enough scandal where I wouldn't be surprised if there's some legitimacy to that, like, but here's my rebuttal to that. Like was, the, was Hannibal a part of this plan? Oh, no. <laughs> that's But that's the thing. Everyone keeps talking about this conspiracy. He wants to own NBC. And I'm sure he actually went full force to own it. He could have been. Listen, we have Russians. Um, <laughs> tampering with elections. Right. Why, why can't big businesses really pay off smaller comedians to 
Whatever. Like I'm just saying, it's in the realm of. So they played. They paid him off, right? <laughs> let's let's go with the conspiracy because I, I just want to follow it. They paid him off to go do a stand up, make it go viral. Um, and not all stand-up go viral. So clearly he had to know to say this to make it go viral. Maybe the Illuminati came in, made mm. it go viral. You know, we, we got to switch up the conspiracy. Illuminati. Yeah, facts, bruh. <laughs> and then they pay like 30-plus women to come out with their stories, even though that they're probably going to be questioned, ostracized, humiliated. Um, just have them come to the forefront and just submit their stories. You get a check. You get a yeah, check. You, you get, get a check. check. You, you get, get a check. Everybody get a check. Um, so that was kind of the angle as to what they were doing. You know, Constant got her $3.38 million, but it's not like she's reopening a civil case. And she can't reopen a civil case just because they settled on that amount, but it's not like she's seeking more money. She's yeah. seeking criminal charges. So that's a part of conspiracy. I get it. So he didn't do it. He's innocent. These women are lying. The fact that all the comedians knew about it, that's what kind of sealed it for me. When I heard that on another show, like in that community, they, they're they aware of that. They were aware of that. I'm just like, damn. That's the thing. I've heard talks about like back in the day he was kind of known for that, which I was like, I was like, I never heard about that. So that to me was already like another thing but what got me when it when it first came to surface it was a lot of white women speaking out and at first i was like you know how y'all do y'all like to bring out a brother especially when he got coins and he trying to make it out here but when beverly johnson came out she's a black model um and an actress and she gave her account of what happened and she basically said that she was invited to this place and she realized what he was trying to do i think he did drug her and she was able to like get out of it. Like she, he didn't. It didn't lead to him. Like I don't know if it led to him raping her. Or it did happen, and then afterwards she left. But when she gave her, and please look into that story too, because um, don't just go by what I'm saying, but definitely look into her interview that she did. When she did her interview, that's when I was like, mm. I was like, I believe because now you got a sister coming out. Mm. So I was like, hmm, and she's not like a Stacy Dash sister. Like she a sister. So I was like, hmm. You know, because she's not all that there. She clueless. Like, it ain't a movie, bro. <laughs> it ain't a movie. Um, Hey, Stacey. But, um, so when she came out, that's when I started to be like, hold up. And then, but I still wasn't fully on board. I'm, and I'm going to be really honest because a lot of people, his legacy, he's done, and that's the thing. Cosby has done so much for the black community. He's done so much. He's an American dad. This dude, I watched the Cosby show growing up. I was like, I wish that was in my house. I wish that I had a family like that. You know, the mom is a lawyer, the father's a doctor. Um, they got all these kids, like, and they're raising them in a two-parent household in a brownstone. Like, I was like, yo, this is everything. And so in my mind, I was like, hold on. And his legacy, I was like, that's not. When she came out, I started to wake up a little bit. I said, yeah, something. Yeah, I'm going to look into this a little further. When I read his deposition... From 2000, that sealed the deal for me. I was like, oh, yeah, no. You got a problem. And that's when I believed it, when I read the deposition, and he basically admitted to using those drugs. And for me, it was like, if you're having consent, consensual sex with women, why do you need to use the drug? Notice that he wasn't actually taking it. He was using it on them. So you want her to be coherent while you're fully coherent. And my thing is, who wants to have sex with someone unconscious? Like, I just don't even, like, and that's the shit that blow minds with all of this stuff. I'm like, who wants to have sex on con with somebody that's unconscious? Like, 
Don't you want to be in the mood and you want to be, you know, eye contact, boning? You know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Make a little clap. <laughs> like, you out here on some, this person is dead sleeping and you're literally having sex with them like it's no. And to me as a man, how does that make you feel as a man, knowing that you're having sex with a woman? And it's not just about Kazi, it's about other men out there too who are having sex with females who are unconscious. What is? How do you feel doing that? And my, my thing is, how are you nutting off of that? Like, I really don't understand that logic. I really don't understand it. Why are you smirking over there? You got something to tell us, Pierre? No. Get the- <laughs> Let me know if we got a Me Too moment to worry about. Nah, you're right. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'll keep it 100. No, no, yeah, Who wants I- to have sex with someone unconscious? Damn, these guys. Oh, man. I guess. And the effect of that, that pill, it makes you frozen. So it ain't like you high. You can't move. Like, it's just like, I don't even... Nah, this shit ain't even funny. I'm gonna bring it back. But, like, real talk, though. See, I, it's... I think some people just have, like... I'm, I, I'm, I really think it may not have been, like, he didn't have game or anything like that. I think he may... That might have been, like, a fetish that he had where he just wanted to... Then do it with your wife. Just, yeah. Wanna... And then he was married the whole time. I wonder if he... Do it with your wife. But let her know she's taking a drug. Don't just, you know, give it to her. Just give her some wine. You want some Pinot Noir? <laughs> some Quaaludes? <laughs> put, it, put it in the pudding. Put it... <laughs> you mix the Quaalude in the pudding. And... <laughs> you ain't shit. But I'm saying, though, like, if that's the case, but you doing it to all, like, come on, man. It's just... This whole yeah, thing blow my. It's just really disappointing because I just feel like a lot of guys may want like power, fame, success, and all that stuff to meet women, and people like Bill Cosby have that, and they're drugging them. Like, come on, that's just ridiculous. Um, do you think his legacy and all the work he did for the black community would be tarnished because of this incident? To be quite frank, I don't think so because. <laughs> Child, you still got people holding on to this man. Like, seriously, even with the verdict coming in, he didn't do it. So, I'm dead serious. The stuff I've, I've been seeing on my timeline and people supporting him. So, I really don't think his image will be tarnished because he's done so much, especially with the Cosby show and how long it's been running. Yeah. Um, And then also, outside of the Cosby show, it was a different world. So, like, that spinoff that happened in black colleges. So That was his show? It was a spinoff of it. Because remember, it. she, Denise, went to college. Got it. So it was a spinoff of her. I really watched the Cosby show. Yeah, I watched it. I was really into it. And then um, mm-hmm. A Different World happened, and it was kind of a spinoff in regards to that. So I don't really, and even that's a whole other thing. So to me, I don't think his legacy is going to be tarnished. I think the accolades, okay, I can see that happening. Um, But I don't think, like, in terms of the show, they may pull it, that uh, they have on Bounce Network, but I don't know if other, other networks are going to follow suit. But I don't think his legacy is really going to be tarnished. I think if... The verdict came out and everyone was like, yo, we done with him. I would have said that. But being that people are still, people are still riding hard from as it, from day one when this came to surface. So no, I don't think that's happening. But for you, can you honestly separate the work that he did and the character he played from his real life persona? Like, were you, like, will, will you ever look at him the same again? No. He was drugging people and raping them. Like... I don't think you can ever look at someone the same after that. That doesn't change the fact that he has done a lot of great things, but bruh, you can't 
you can't separate the two, at least in my eyes. And I personally, I really don't know much about Bill Cosby. I didn't really watch the Cosby show. Didn't really know any of his stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, I don't even... So, you really want to miss him. Basically. I. But, yeah, I feel bad because he, he was supposed to be one of the good ones. One of the good blacks. <laughs> you see how that turned out. <laughs> now, now you got Kanye as Trump's dragon energy partner. And Kiana Zeke said, Feeding it to his crusty head. I swear to God, I'm not. Um, do you think he's, do you think the punishment fit the crime with Cosby? Because what if he's not going to be in prison? Like, he, he's not? I'm saying it's a, it could happen if that, it doesn't follow through on that. Wait, in terms of like maybe having like house arrest or something? Yeah. Or like a white collar prison? Or something randomly happens and his ass don't go to jail? Because people are still saying that he potentially may not go to jail. I may not be in prison. Um, Sorry, I just got lost in the fact that he might not actually go. What was the question? Do you think the punishment fit the crime? Um, If you've been drugging and raping women... For years, and it's dozens of women. Yeah, the fuck. Oops, sorry. But if it leads <laughs> to like house arrest, if it was to be just that. No, that's that's I, I no. You gotta <laughs> you gotta do time, bro. Yeah, seriously. But hey, oh, what it, if they? It, what if he went to jail and they put him in solitary confinement, and it was like another Khalif Browder type thing? Nah, drink? that's old. That would never happen. But what if it did? Do you think that would be fitting of the crime? I think solitary confinement's not. I don't know if anyone deserves that. Like, that's just. I, that that just it's. So if one of your homeboys was murdered, and they caught the person, and he was to be in solitary, you would say he's not deserving of that. Just put him in general population. You can't be asking me these kind of questions. I'm, I'm, you know why I ask you that? Because this is the problem with humanity. We only are concerned about things when it directly affects us. Right. If I said your man got murdered by somebody, first of all, some people be like, you dead. Like, it ain't even like, we, we not even going to see trial, bro. I'm going to catch you in the streets. You know what I'm saying? But if you go to jail, it's like, are you going to be that way? Like, nah, put him among general population. He deserves something. You have to think about that because that was your man. That's the problem, and that's why I feel like with us as humanity, it's like we don't we only react to things if it directly affects us, and that should not be the case. Well, Kanye West forgave the surgeon who performed surgery on his mother before she passed away. Rest in peace. So if Kanye could forgive... Coach. I'm not even going to answer that because he wants to make him the cover of his album. So that's not forgiving someone, and that's very questionable. And I really do not want to talk about Kanye because he wants attention. I refuse to give it to him, and I really don't care for him. Dead serious. Bring it back to Bill Cosby. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So is the punishment for the crime? Like that's what I'm saying. Like you saying that he should be in solitary confinement. All the things that he has done for the black community, for the world in general. If his punishment isn't as harsh or he doesn't really end up doing jail time, that might be the, the thing that people can point to. Like, hey, this dude did some messed up stuff, but he also did a lot of good as well. So there has to be some sort of punishment, though. Like, that's why I don't want to be a judge. It'd be like that sometimes. 
I mean, at the end of the day, we'll see how this goes and follow through. I think it's very interesting how this whole thing propelled. And now we're into the Me Too movement and the Time's Up. It was like a, it seemed like it was a preface of the Me Too and the Time's Up movement. Um, And it makes me question or makes me think like, you remember when we said about the DA still coming in and saying that he should have been. They should have followed through on prosecuting him in 2005 and bringing charges against him. Yeah. It makes me think, okay, say Steele didn't come in and he didn't follow through on this case. Would they have brought up this case after, like, Harvey Weinstein? Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you see how things are, like, interconnected in some aspects. Mm-hmm. So I just think that, and I feel like, I feel, I believe it could be true that the women who are coming up a face are coming out about Harvey Weinstein, they're influenced by the woman who came forward about Cosby. Mm. So it's kind of one of those personal political thing. I just think it's really interesting how it's propelling. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. I feel like he's deserving of the punishment. And I just, I really hope that the women who are affected and were affected by what he did, they, they get the help they need in terms of seeking counseling or therapy and trying to fully heal. I hope that this, case is a victory for them that they know their voices are heard it's acknowledged and we we are full force and we could get a lot of things accomplished as women if we come together so i just hope that it's they're getting the help that they need and they're able to heal and move on with their lives and get to live again because that's really what it's all about people don't stop to think about the detriment of these incidents they may have happened years ago and that still plays onto people's lives you know maybe these women don't feel comfortable having sex Maybe don't feel comfortable having sex in a dog. Maybe don't even feel comfortable having sex with a black man. Because, no, you think it's funny, but, like, because he tarnished that for them or the image of sex or enjoyment or anything of that sort, hopefully they're able to move past it and really heal from it. So, That was that's very that. well said. Thank you. I do what I do when I can get it done, darling. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, switching gears, Janelle Monet. I no, love, I love me some Yeah, I love me some her. She's gorgeous. She's she, so beautiful. She's like she's looking like a whole entree. Back, and she's grown into her own. She's mm. always been true to who she is from the time she came out on the scene, and I respect her for that. To me, she hasn't changed. She's just grown through her music and her art. She's very intelligent, very humble being, and I just love her. In a recent interview with Rolling Stone magazine, she confirmed that she's queer. She, I hate that word. Why? It just feels dirty. What? I don't know. It just, I feel like that's like an insult if you say that to someone. You're queer. And I could just be wrong. Well, you are, but continue. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that's just how Why I Why do you feel, feel like it's an insult? What you think, saying lesbian is better? I don't know, apparently. Apparently that's acceptable, so. Well, now lucky you know. how you feel doesn't really pertain to her. doesn't matter. But it's okay. It's okay. I understand. You wanted to share your feelings. Um, I love you. Love you too. <laughs> she um she identified herself as bisexual at first and she read about pansexuality and realized that she identified more with pansexuality um Pierre, which, what is pansexuality so the definition of pansexual is not limited in sexual choice with regard to biological sex gender or gender identity and i'm gonna just be straight up after looking into what pansexuality, I just got even more confused as well. With well I mean, at least you keeping it a hundred. <laughs> like, because you're not the only one. I'm just like, okay, um, so you can apparently there's more than one gender. I don't know. I'm I'm just confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it 
just means like being limitless in terms of who the person wants to be with in terms of either non-binary or binary genders. Um, but I also, feel, to be quite frank with you... There's too many labels. Oh. There are too many labels. And, and not, I think and not, that's... Not even with sexuality, just in general. In general. Like, vegetarian, no, I'm vegan. No, I'm pescatarian. Like... No, there are labels. And I feel like pertaining to sexuality and stuff, I feel like there are a lot of labels. And I think that's, that's what it is about problematic about our society is that we create these labels and it's like definitive. And it's like if you try to be fluid among other labels, it's like... You're, you're considered othered and stuff like that. But to be quite frank, I know that people are confused about pansexuality. And I think people are confused about bisexuality when it became a thing. Like, let's keep it 100. Um, it's like you got you like guys and girls. Like, you know, what, what are you into at this moment? So I personally think as being that we are heterosexual and we have that privilege... I could go out in public with you. I could hold hands. We could kiss. We could do that. And it's not we abnormal. Could, we definitely could do that. You can relax. You can have several seats and relax. <laughs> but if we went out there, no one's going to look at us and be like, yo. I'm not, I'm not even your type. You like the do-rags. <laughs> the baggy pants. Sagging, no, I do not. Don't put that out there. Don't do that. I have standards. If, if you see Key in the street, definitely shoot your shot. <laughs> no. Especially if you're from the Bronx. No. What, Don't what? even know. <laughs> anyway. But to keep it 100, like, I feel like being at work. I'm just, you know that meme, the starter pack meme? <laughs> I just imagine, like, the Key boyfriend starter pack, Tim's <laughs> Durag. I hate you so much. <laughs> You're going to Ella Shea right now. I hate you so much. That is not oversized tea. My type. Don't get it twisted. Sorry. But um, what is your type? Bringing it back to Janelle Monae, please. In terms of the sexuality, I think as heterosexuals and being that we have the privilege that we do, Mm -hmm. I really don't think it's our place to. We don't need her or anyone a part of that community, LGBTQ community, defining who they are to us. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying, like. I feel like the same could be said about racism or when it comes to how we feel like it's like us like explaining overly explaining to white people like this is what this is it's like it's not my job to explain to you what I am and how I feel and why I feel like that's racist that's not my place to teach you about that so I think when it comes to terminology and like whether you classify yourself as such if that's how she classifies herself as queer and as pansexual and if you're confused about it doesn't make sense maybe it's not meant for you to understand. That's how I see because I feel like we we are we're in a privileged place and I feel like and this is another thing too like I've been thinking about for the past couple of days I feel like we when you have certain levels of privilege you have to check it when you enter into certain discourses mm. like you have to check that you are a man yes you are a black man so you have some level of oppression but you are a man you have patriarchy working in your favor you know what I'm saying so and you're not poor Pierre goes out every every other night Thai yeah. food two three times a day you might as well open up a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Going to the Smith. Like, you don't go to no cheap spots. So you're privileged in that aspect. Just like, for me, I'm privileged in a sense. I had the opportunity to go away to a private institution. I went to Syracuse University. I had that. You know, keeping in mind that, yes, I'm not poor. I'm a part of the working class. I do believe that. But I'm not. I have a roof over my head. Um, And being a heterosexual, I have privilege in a sense that I don't have to worry about if I'm walking down the street with a dude and somebody's going to look at me or look at us and be like, that's like weird or stare at us. You know? Unless he's white, because, you know, people still stare about those things, which is another problem. But I think when it comes to the place of you being in privilege, it's not really the person who is oppressed in that situation to overly explain and 
break down who they are and why they act the way they do. It's it's not meant for us to understand. But if that's who she is, I really respect her for that. And I respect her for coming out because as a black woman being in the industry, I'm sure there are probably other black women in her situation, but they don't feel comfortable coming forward. Yeah. And I believe on our Instagram, we posted a, a video of Lena Waite yeah. that did an interview on The View about being a black woman in Hollywood that's a lesbian and having to come out and how she know people in Hollywood that are lesbians or people who are gay, but they don't feel comfortable coming out because they feel like that's my personal life. But it's like, this is a part of who you are. Why wouldn't you want to share that with the world? And she's being one of a few. So to see um, Jonelle Monet come out too, I think it's great. And I just hope that other women of color and black women who are in the in industry, whether it's Hollywood or entertainment, they come forward and feel like they can live their lives and be who they are. But one thing with Jonelle Monet, <clears throat> which I appreciate, is that she's basically referenced her sexuality, she said, through her music. Um, so I think that's very important. And she states in the interview that I want young girls, young boys, non-binary, gay, straight, queer people who are having a hard time dealing with their sexuality, dealing with feeling ostracized or bullied for just being their unique selves, to know that I see you, and she says this album is for you, so be proud. The album that she's referring to is Dirty Computer. It is out now, so make sure you get your copy. And she released her tour date, so make sure you get those tickets as well. Are you going to get the album? Yeah, I will get the album. I support her and I love her. I've never, um, I've never listened to any of her albums. I don't really know much about her. I saw her in concert, and it was, like, amazing. Like, first of all, she's gorgeous. It was, like, yo. Because she is... I saw her in concert. Um, She's really gorgeous, and she's very talented. Um, Of course, you know, if you see her, she's dancing and singing, and I just love her. You know one thing I like about her? I'm, I'm was a, she? I'm offended. Why? I just feel like putting her looks above everything else. No, I'm not saying I'm putting her looks, but you know sometimes when you see someone on TV and it's like you see them in person, it's like they don't look the same. She looked exactly the same. It wasn't like anything. You're trying to be extra. I see you. But I do... One thing I like about her is that when she came on the scene, notice that she never like wore revealing things. Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed that about her? Like she never... She had, like a suit. She always had a suit. Like, she always had that kind of, like, she never came out on some, like, and there's nothing wrong with women like that if you want to be revealing. I Do what you do. It's your body. I'm big on women doing whatever the hell they want with their body. If you want to walk out with a bikini or you want to walk out looking like a nun, do what you do. It's your body. But one thing I like Hashtag about her. Free the nipples. <laughs> facts. But one thing I did like about her is that when she came out, she's been consistent as to who she is and the way she carries herself. She's, I think for the past couple of years, she's been wearing some revealing items. Like here and there, but it's not like excessive. But I like that she she does things on her own terms. So even if she was to start wearing stuff for villain, I still commend her because like you ain't come out busting in the scenes like yo my titty out. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Janet. <laughs> no shade. <laughs> but I'm saying though, like she didn't come out with that angle, and it's fine if she did. But to kind of see her growth, and I really do love her. So shout out to Janelle Monet. Do you look at her any differently now that since she did this interview? Um, no. I guess because I kind of thought that already. Yeah, you did. So I just assumed that's what it was. Yeah. And that I guess that's problematic in itself that I just automatically assumed that and didn't really think anything of it. But I'm glad that you said that because I remember when we was making her our Woman Crush Wednesdays, I remember you had wanted to state that in terms of description. Like, oh, you know, she came out as, as being a part of the LGBTQ community. And I said to you, did she come out and say that? And I was like, where did she say that? I think people need to understand, you could observe someone from a distance and assume their sexuality, 
But until they actually explicitly state what they are, you cannot assume that they're bisexual, they're gay, they're that until they classify themselves as such. There may be people out there that like men and women and may not identify as bisexual. And that's fine. It's their lives. It's their sexuality. So I like that you brought it in. It's like you made an assumption. You assumed. You kind of knew. You know, but you can't make that determination for them because they have to be the one to be able to do it. Yeah. And that goes for everyone out there that's listening. Like, don't make the assumption that you know. One of my close friends, I always knew he was gay, but then he came out and he said it. And I was just kind of like, okay, I allow him to come out and make any assumptions or anything. But I wanted him to come out and say it like, this is who I am. And it's so crazy because he was nervous telling me and my other friend, I was like, you know, like, you don't have to be nervous. It's us, but we've been known, you know what I'm saying? But then it's like, it's easier for me to say that being that I'm a heterosexual and having that privilege, not understanding how someone could feel that way and feel the anxiety and concern and worry. So definitely like, don't put labels on people unless they put it themselves. And even if, and if you don't understand the labels, maybe it's not meant for you to understand and respect it for what it is and check your privilege when you enter into any discourse, whether you're male if you are a white woman, <laughs> if you are a rich person, check your privilege. Because when you enter into certain discourses and you don't acknowledge your privilege, you actually make the person that's oppressed within that discourse more oppressed. Even though you think you're not, you actually are. So now we're going to switch gears and end on a lighter note like we always do. Coach P dropping gems. One of my favorite part of the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're very welcome. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about really your environment when I say your environment, I think of two things. The people that you're really spending the most time with and your actual physical environment. Where are you spending your time? Tony Robbins has this awesome quote that I really love. And it goes, people's lives are a direct reflection of the expectations of their peer group. If your peer group doesn't expect much, it's just a matter of time before you lower your expectations of yourself. That's heavy. Yeah. That's really heavy. And, yeah, it it's like you, you always hear that saying you're like the five people you spend the most time with. But it's really true. And the way to really look at it is are the people that you're spending your time with, are they forcing you to up your game and challenge you and push yourself to grow? Or are you at the top of the pile with your core of peers and they're actually pulling you down or having you not do the work or the things that you really are up to in your life. And I think just to caveat it, this is really for people who are trying to grow and expand and like really trying to be up to big things. Because if you're like, again, if you're just happy with where you're at in your life, because for everyone it's different. Yeah. But if you're just happy with just your life, the way things are going, you're not worrying about like you don't like you just you you're content mm-hmm. like then that's fine you're complacent and i didn't i don't want to say it like complacent like it's going to kind of giving a negative content oh, okay, I know what but you like mean. some people want to have their own business some people want to be a millionaire some people want to be the next beyonce like whatever it is if you're really up to something in life that's going to take a lot of you you have to really be conscious of your environment mm-hmm. who you're spending time with and the places that you're spending your time with and the thing about that is when it comes to when it comes to actually spending the time with the right people, you want to be spending your time with people who are doing the things that you're actually up to. So if you want to become the next dope life coach, then actually spending time at seminars, events, um, 
taking different programs to actually get around people who are doing that work. That's what's crucial. Is that what you're doing? Yes. Okay. So that's why I actually I've gone to Tony so I've gone to Tony Robbins events and seminars just so I could be around. I know Pierre's obsessed with Tony Robbins. I love him. So He's amazing. Long. He's obsessed. He's the man. <laughs> um, um, I I I've done programs at Landmark Worldwide. And just reading motivational books, um, listening to different speakers, and from four agreements. Yeah, the four agreements. Like actually, just being around that kind of material, that context, and just that thought process. And just another example. Let's say you're trying to be uh, a dope personal trainer. If you're not spending time at the gym. Or you're not spending time with people who are mm-hmm. in great shape, who who fitness and nutrition is something that they actually value. It just makes it that much easier for you to not be taking the right steps and the actions to get that because the people that are around you aren't on that same wave. And when when you really think about that, you have to really be smart about who you're spending time with. And unfortunately, that could mean having to cut certain people out of your life and not spending dun, dun, dun. yeah not spending as much time as you like with certain people. Um, but that's hard though, especially is. if you invested time and energy into someone like whether it be friends or lovers or even family Yeah. to cut them off knowing that they're toxic and they're like not making your environment like well in any capacity. Like that's hard to just cut someone off. Like, have you had any personal experiences doing that? And what was that like? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I definitely realized that as I was getting older I was really focused on finishing college, getting a good job, um, moving out of my parents' place. Like, I've, I've always just been a forward thinker in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish in my future. I, I definitely realized there are certain people who weren't on the same way. Like, I would talk about finances and this is how you got to get your credit score good. So we name dropping or not? Because you know I let for a good shade, honey. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely, uh-huh. not, definitely not gonna name drop any names. But it, I think it's tough when you, like you said, you've built a great relationship with people and having to move away from that and like really cutting them out of your life. But for me, what I found that really worked was just really being real and straight up with people like, hey, this is what I'm really up to. I'm focused on building my own business. I'm focused on really creating financial freedom. What that looks like for me is like, I got to be on it going to school. I'm working full time while I'm in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking into ways to grow my credit score. Like basically letting them know the things that I'm up to because sometimes when you're like letting your friends and family know what you're really trying to mm-hmm. do with your life, some people are going to be on board with that and actually really, people are going to be on board with that and may want to come on that journey with yeah. you. And it's not like a, I'm just cutting you off because I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess with you anymore. It's just, this is where I want to go yeah. and where I'm going to go. This is how my life is going to look like I'm going to be spending more time at school, I'm going to be spending lots of time working. I'm going to be checking, going to different events and stuff. Yeah. And if you want to be a part of that with me, awesome. But if not, like... Deuces. Yeah, I still... I have nothing but love for you. And it's just... The relationship is just not going to be the same because I'm... There's so... Time is finite. Yeah, but how did that that person or certain people react to when you said those things? But did you... Did you, Let's be honest here because I know you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you 
tell them up front to their face, I ain't messing with you. Or did, or like how, because Pia's a really nice person. <laughs> and if you've been following the podcast, you know, I keep it 100, I'm a bit aggressive, I'm in your face. And I don't give a fuck, okay? Pierre, on the other hand, he care, he genuinely cares about people's feelings. <laughs> like, and I'm not even laughing, I'm just thinking it's, like, it's if, so true. Like though. Pierre told me, he was like, you know, I think when we do business stuff, let me do the talking. And if things go wrong, I'll just have you handle it. Because it's like, you know I don't play. Like, you're not going to come and play me and try me. Because it's, no, not me, she, her. You ain't doing it. But Pierre has a certain demeanor about him. So for me, I can't see you telling someone, I can't, I can't see you saying that. Because I feel like you'll feel so bad in the conversation. And then you'll probably, like, be like, y'all was just playing. Yeah. So how did it go? Like, what happened and how did they react? So I never said to anyone, I'm cutting you off. I can't spend time with you. Like I said, I let people know what I'm going to be doing. What are the things I'm going to be doing? How I'm going to be spending my time? Mm -hmm. And then actually just started doing that. And just in the process, we spent less time together. I wasn't calling people as much or hanging out with people as much. It just naturally, I just wouldn't see you. Um, But But you basically, you distance yourself from them gradually. Right. And I think think in terms of, it wasn't even about them. It was like, I'm going to be spending time here yeah and you're not there so it's like but they're not there because you don't want them to be there oh no i and the, the the thing about it like i've actually gotten so much closer with certain people because they were on the same wave as me like okay. they were really like oh yeah i'm all about let's like growing being the best version of ourselves yeah. like learning and just trying to just learning and growing that's really what i'm about i yeah. love is taking the new knowledge and information mm-hmm. and seeing how i could use that to better myself and help my friend and family so i think that was very interesting to me that i, I saw the people who resonated with what i was really up to and i actually got closer to them um but then the others that you didn't how did that pan out you just don't see each other, don't speak as much. But I think the one thing that I, I always realize, I definitely still have love for people that mm-hmm. I don't may, may not hang out as much with. And I do try to make time to actually spend time with mm-hmm. them. And I think if you have people in their certain buckets yeah. in your life, I think that's a, a that's like a little hack to being able to have it all. Yeah. Like I know my friends who I'm going to be having conversations with about starting businesses or fed, vet, investing or yeah. like what's the next trend to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the friends that I'll hit up and if we just want to get ratchet and turn up and go out and have a good time, like that's we'll, I can just do that with yeah. that person. And then I just have old friends that. I haven't seen in a long time, but we just had a great relationship that will every couple of months or once a year, we might just meet up mm-hmm. and just hang out and just like catch up. So I think knowing where people fit in your buckets and really what's most important to you, yeah. like what are you really trying to make your life about and what are you really trying to accomplish with your life? And when you have that in mind, then it just makes it easier to know who you're going to be spending time with. At what point did you decide that you wanted to change your life and kind of elevate where you were? Like, what had did something happen, or were you at a place where you just like I don't like where I'm at anymore? Like, did a significant like did an, an event happen that made you decide like I don't want to be where I'm at anymore, and I don't want to engage with these people around me because they're actually toxic, they're actually hindering my performance, and they're actually helping me. Um. So for me, that happened maybe about three years ago. Mm -hmm. I was 
drinking a lot, like almost every day. Not like, and I'm a, you know I'm a lightweight, so a few <laughs> drinks and I'm saucy. <laughs> but I was drinking a lot. I was going That's out. What happens when you four feet tall, honey? <laughs> Get some height, boo. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> that's hurtful all right. All right. oh no that's hurtful my starter pack wasn't that's hurtful okay okay go ahead <laughs> yeah so drinking a lot i was working lots of hours um wasn't actually going out unless it was on the weekend it was just really spending hours at work and then coming back home just eating really bad full food and i wasn't I wasn't meeting women at all. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was finding success in my career, but my social life was just not where I wanted it to be. And I'd gotten really depressed about it. Like, How did you know you was depressed? Well, my roommate at the time was really telling me, like, yo, you hear what you're saying? Like, you're just bashing chicks, like, all the time. And you literally sit on the couch all night and you fall asleep with Netflix on every night so you netflix and chilling by yourself yeah i was def- struggles real bro if you're doing it by yourself um yeah so and then i went to the doctor and the doctor told me that i had pre-hypertension i was really feeling like a lot of chest pain every time i would eat like i was getting acid reflux um just wow. even the slightest food i put in my body my joints were hurting me like and i all i wanted to do was run away from new york like, i'm just like I can't be here anymore. Like, yeah. Like, this is not for me. I'm not... All I'm doing is just working, mm-hmm. and there's nothing else going good in my life. I just want to just go to another country and, and just, just start away. over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and You're I, escaping th- your demons. Basically. And then that's really when I first started listening to motivational speakers, mm-hmm. and they really started changing my thought process, like... If I'm listening to empowering conversations, mm-hmm. like no matter how bad things look at the moment, you can always turn it around. And yeah, that's when I really got present to Tony Robbins, other speakers like Les Brown. Um, and yeah, then I realized, holy moly, like I was, I was able to get my health back. Like I went to the doctor and they're like, you no longer have hypertension. Um, you're... Like, my, my, the acid reflux went away. Mm-hmm. My joints, my body started feeling good again. Like, I just felt good. And I was able to just bring energy back to, like, work and just, I was meeting girls. So, things started turning around. I got to the point where, holy crap, like, if this happened to me, like, I never thought I could be, quote, unquote, depressed. Um, and then to actually get out of it as well. Yeah. Like, I would love to really help people and make a difference with people in that regard. But I'm glad that you're able... I'm really happy that you're sharing this because Pierre is not usually transparent. And I'm really glad that you're actually sharing in terms of your health and you being depressed. That you are admitting from a black man's standpoint that you were depressed. That you acknowledge that and that you try to find ways of fixing it. Yeah. So I think that's very important. And... You know, in regards to cutting people off, like, what do you, what advice would you give people if they have toxic people in their life? Like, whether it's family, friends, or lovers, like, any, like, top three tips in terms of how to go about cutting them off healthy? Or, you know, if you were to allow someone like that back into your life and they change how to do it gradually, just to give people some advice and feedback. Because for me, I react to things very differently, and I react more so than I actually stop to contemplate something. So if I'm cutting off someone toxic, I'd rather just cut you off and just 
let it be that. I may not overthink how I'm going to do it. I just rather just do it. And for me, I primarily just distance myself from people. Like, I just, that's my thing. You know, if I don't make time for you and I distance myself from you, I probably don't want to mess with you anymore. Yeah. So, and that's not the right way because I'm, I'm also big on having open conversation and discussions with people about certain things, especially if whatever kind of relationship we have, whether it's friends, family, or lovers, like, we all are on the same page. Yeah. So what advice would you give in terms of, like, cutting off toxic people? I would... I think you always owe it to someone. You don't owe it to them, but it's always a good place to come from if you're giving them the opportunity to be in your life. Um, if you let them know, like, for whatever reason, you're bringing negative energy around all the time, and I, like, I don't want to be around that. Like, I need you to not mm-hmm. do that. Or, or if, like, I'm going to be spending more time working on my health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't be going out with you every night, getting messed up and, like, sleeping in. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever it is you're really trying to be up to, like, really just being open and sharing that with that person. Letting them know, like, this is what I'm really committed to now, and I would love for you to just be on this wave with me. If they're with it, that's awesome that you get to bring that person with you. But if not... I think at that point, if you have, if you know what your commitment is and you're actually taking actions in line with that commitment, you're just not going to spend that much time with that yeah. person anymore. I think it's, if you're just cutting someone off just to say, I'm cutting you off, like, there's really nothing, there's no commitment behind it. I think mm-hmm. it's really important to have a, what you're committed to and then you keep your actions in line with that. So if you're committed to creating financial freedom, if you're committed to your health, if you're committed to just having positive energy around you, you really just share that commitment with people. And I think people will respect that and at the end of the day, you're trying to just create the best life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back to just having the different buckets that people could be in. Because some people... You're not going to spend time with them talking about politics or things like that. But that might be the friend that you may go have a drink with and just bash ex-boyfriends. I don't know, whatever the case may be. So just knowing who... What positions they play in your life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's good. I think, yeah, that... for me, that was the biggest thing, realizing what I was committed to. And the people that you let go and who are not a part of your life, who are toxic, um, if they do try to come back, would you allow it to happen? Would you be open to that? I still spend time with people that I don't. I was really close with when mm-hmm. I was younger. Um, and I just find that it's always still fun. Like okay. we, we connect and I get to kind of dip my toe back in that lifestyle or just having fun with them but, but just it's knowing it's like a temporary gradual. thing and, yeah. and it's not going to be something i'm doing consistently yeah so that's that's what for me i i like you said i'm super nice and i feel like i don't want to get people i don't want to hurt people's feelings and i think the beauty of it when you have a real good relationship with someone and there's love there if they see that you're committed to something with your life and you're really taking actions on it no one's really going to be salty or really upset about it, and they genuinely do enjoy the time that you guys do get to spend together, no matter how limited it might be. So, yeah. All right. Coach P dropping gems, y'all. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, once again, guys, thank you for tuning in. Make sure, if you haven't, you go purchase the ringtone at the iTunes store for Apple devices and the Tunes store for Android devices. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd 
underscore, and you can find our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, and Stitcher by searching Unapologetically Different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.